And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deek. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. We are talking strictly Philadelphia Eagles today. No one else to do it with than my friend, my man, Thomas Peterson. How are we doing? And we were perfectly fine. I mean, 35-10. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding Absolute me? Chick kicking, baby. How wrong were we? I know. Fuck. <laughs> we've been we've been longing for that complete game for so long. Yeah. And aside from 500 tur- uh, uh, penalties, I mean, I think we pretty much got it, didn't we? It's actually pretty amazing how the offense was able to kind of just stay motoring the entire game with how many penalties. I know, Especially right? Those half, like how many like pre-snap penalties did they have in the first half? It was it was what they had seven in the first quarter. Yeah, that's fucked. That's too many. And they and they they still scored two touchdowns on the first three possessions. That makes Titans, no Titans didn't sense. allow more than twenty points in a game in eight straight, and they had twenty-one going into halftime. And then they're helped by all these pre-snap penalties, and they still couldn't stop it. I'm telling you, this is the exact same thing that you saw against the Colts, where the the offense were rolling. Like Jalen Hurts had them converting one one down after the other, and just it that was just a combination of of guys. I mean, letting him down around him on the on offense, like fumbling the ball, not being able to convert, like short yardage situations, running the ball, drops penalties. This is just like it's. Like you said it. They should have scored at least on one more drive in the first half. At least, at like with a pessimistic point of view, they should have con- they should have at least scored like a field goal, two field goals, and a touchdown more in the first half, and then it would have been a forty burger. I mean, what can you say, baby? What can you say? We're, what? Rolling. <laughs> We're rolling. Okay. Um. What? Let's stick with the offense. Um. I. I run rewatched the game. I did a little bit of all twenty two. Didn't do too much, but I rewatched from just kind of the proud of you. The big screen, yeah. You know, I, I had uh, I had nothing going tape on. Grinder now, uh, yeah. certified tape grinder. I still, I, I don't, I must say, I don't get it. The tape grinders, I have a special, like, uh, I guess, infatuation or appreciation for you, tape grinders out there with the all twenty-two. It's um, it could be a grind, man. Going through play by play. Yeah, uh, especially when you re- when you don't really know what's going on, like when you're when you're studying a team, especially a defense where they're. Where they kind of have their own set of rules within the zone scheme, so you you don't exactly know what they're doing. Because then, like, if you don't know what the defense is doing, you have no idea how to analyze it from what the yeah. offensive perspective needs to be. Like, what needs to happen against that? But yeah. So let's start on the offense side of the ball. Um, you did a couple breakdowns on your YouTube channel, um, on offense and defense. But on the offensive side of the ball, Thomas, what was maybe your biggest takeaway from when you rewatch this game? Biggest takeaway is that um, it was confirmed that Jalen Hurts did, in fact, uh, tear apart the Titans' defense, no matter what they were throwing at him. Didn't matter what kind of variations of their cover two. They love to run, run cover two and cover four. Um, and it didn't matter what kind of wrinkles they were having to it. Um, early, they were dropping their their hook-to-curl defenders in kind of a, of a steep angle towards the sideline. Then they hit the big uh, the big play for Jack Stoll when he came on the seam, one of the biggest throws of the of the early portion of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they kind of adjusted to that. They had them, their hook-to-curl defenders drop a little bit more narrow down, so you're kind of narrowing the zones in the middle. He checked it down a couple times for Kenneth Gainwell, one time for Miles Sanders, where they converted easy first downs there. 
and even when they're covered up well, I mean, he was moving around the pocket. He was he was finding uh, finding Demonte Smith on that one uh, one call that got turned um, that got overturned after they reviewed the play. But that was a really nice pass. It would hit Smitty right where it had to be uh, for him to make the sideline catch. One with AJ Brown, where the com- the play completely breaks down. Titans cover it well. They still get seven yards because he calmly and that was one of the, the big things from this game he was so calm in the pocket he was just scrambling a little bit around he didn't he didn't run out the pocket he just took some side steps to his left and then delivered a ball to H.A. Brown for six yards down the field on a play they with the defense played it perfectly so and then you get to the man coverage thing hitting hitting a bunch of plays down the field the one with H.A. Brown where he stepped one outside that was an absolute mwah, dime down the field Quest Watkins, uh, the one that he dropped, but there was also offensive holding, so it wasn't really, it never really became anything. Those kind of things that the the, the Quest Watkins passed down the field and the Devontae Smith that, uh, passed down the field. I noticed that I'm starting to have an idea that they want him to throw the ball a little bit short and high to the backside. Like I, I've been looking at those plays and hmm, is he underthrowing it? What is going on there? But I actually think that's what they want because they have three guys, all, all those three, Devontae Quest and and AJ Brown have like shown that they they do a really good job when they're adjusting for the ball on those uh, on those um on those nine routes. Yeah, Watkins did against the Packers too, right? Exactly, he did. He did against the Cowboys a couple of times last year as well, where he like you put a little bit high and wide, uh, and he, like the, he'll get up there and he'll 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 elevate for it. I think they want him to do that more than just chuck it downfield and overthrow uh and overthrow his his guys because they, they have faith in their receivers to do these kind of things. But yeah, so just just on the offensive side of the ball, like in this game, it was the best offensive performance. The Eagles oh, have absolutely. Had. We have to go back to the Vikings game to yeah. to find was, a, a game where Jalen Hurst was clinically tearing apart a yeah. defense. And it was a lot better from just the analytical stats. So this is the Eagles offensive game against the Titans was actually the fourth best EPA per play performance on offense in the entire NFL this year. So put in perspective, they that was one of the best offensive games the team has had all season. Just from week 13, they were first in EPA per play out of all teams. This is a a week where there's a lot of offense. The Lions didn't punt. They scored on all eight possessions against the Jaguars, and Eagles still were more efficient on offense than the Lions. They were first in dropback EPA per play. So that means they were the best passing team as well in in week 13. And Jalen Hurts, like you brought up the pocket, like the way he didn't just escape the pocket and move around. He was awesome from inside the pocket. From his stats inside the pocket, 27 to 33, 370 yards, three touchdowns. Not not bad for a running back. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just telling, right? The last last week got got um offensive player of the week honors simply for his for his rushing ability. Him and Miles Sanders tearing a defense apart. This week Basically, no running at all. A little bit of Kenneth Gainwell in there that 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 had a, that had a couple of a couple of good runs, uh, but other than that, I mean, two design runs. He tore runs. it. He they, tore, they it, call, he tore it apart. They called two design runs all game for Jalen Hurts, the entire game. Yeah, one one for a touchdown. Miles Sanders had a great block on that touchdown, by the way, as well. Um, he did. He did. If right. Sanders didn't make that block, they know the other one. Boston Scott had a great block on the other design run, also at the goal line. Yeah, um, I think there might have been three because there was one on third and five. They ran a design run. Yes, but that was a holding. Yeah. Oh, it was. They also did another one on first and ten. The 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 sequence where they had four receivers on one side and then AJ Brown on the other. They ran two plays out of that. One curl for uh, for AJ Brown. He catches for first down. The the very next play, they do a uh, a QB uh, QB draw. It goes for about twelve yards, and it's another holding on the play. 
And then it's funny because Jalen Hurts was just he got so he got so pissed that he just chucked the ball away and it hit a ref. Yeah. And had to go over there and, and apologize afterwards. <laughs> um, he Jalen Hurts just focused on him. He was incredible as well this week. So he was first out of all quarterbacks in EP for play this week. Fourth in success rate, fourth in completion percentage, fifth in air yards per attempt. Um, they he was the best quarterback in week 15 in the entire NFL. And again, this is coming off a week where there were some good quarterback performances. Joe Burrow played really well against the Chiefs. Jared Goff, I don't know what the hell happened there, but he was he was second in paper play. He was on fire. So it was it was incredible. Like it was and it's funny because there were so many good games this week. You had Chiefs, Bengals, Dolphins, 49ers, Vikings, Jets. It's the performance almost like this Jalen Hurts performance and the Eagles offensive performance has almost been kind of pushed back in the national media just from the amount of big matchups there were. Yeah, and also a lot of news that kind of came out with it, with uh, Garoppolo's uh, injury and, I mean, the Odell thing, which for some reason is a massive story. I so, guess- hey, we talk about, let's talk about Odell. Let's get this conversation out of the way. Did you see Mike Florio's tweet this morning? Yeah, it does make sense. There's no chance, right? Like zero. There's no chance. Okay. I think it's a zero percent chance. I was hoping. Yeah, I think it's a zero percent chance. I think it's a, it's more a, uh, like we we all know that Howie checks into everything. He's one hundred percent checked in with Odell Beckham as well. He always do that. It always gets picked up. That's why Eagles are always mentioned in every single free agent or trade rumor that is ever out there. Eagles are always mentioned at, at in some part of the process of it. Um, I actually thought it was kind of a funny timing that um, that the the cowboy like the the injury suspicion thing came out right after he visited with the Cowboys. Like, was it is that some kind of? I, I thought to myself, is that a trick to to, to kind of like push away people, any other competition? I think maybe Odell like leaked something. It's like Odell's can't maybe told Florio to tweet something out to like up the pressure. I don't know. It, yeah, I, think, right. I, th- I thought I thought maybe that was a counter to that because I thought maybe the Cowboys wanted to get the injury thing out there so that nobody else wanted to be interested. Like maybe yeah. that the the Bills and the Giants wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be as interested. Maybe it's like the counter move from the agent side to say, well, the Eagles might have interest because then you know the Cowboys would be a little bit more. Oh shit! <laughs> that's all just like uh, that's uh, that's you you put in the tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. That's what it's yeah. called. Yeah, tinfoil hat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see a way in hell that the Eagles sign Odell Beckham Jr. wouldn't make sense, in my opinion. The only thing that would make it to, would uh, make any sense is if the Eagles had injuries on the wide receiver position. Looks like Quez Watkins is going to be okay. I have a funny feeling he's not going to play this week. We'll probably find out a lot more today from when the practice designations come out. They said it was an AC, uh, AC joint sprain. Um, so it's in your shoulder wide receivers and you, you got to be able to get off the ball. So it's kind of an important, important factor of being a wide receiver is having your shoulder. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming again, no doctor. Uh, I think actually just getting into the, to the nerd part of that, like it, it's more, it's more whenever you're pushing against something of weight that yeah. it, you're really using your, your AC. Joint. I had one and I couldn't play for a long time playing linebacker and it hurt like hell whenever I was hitting something. But I mean, if you're getting cl- mostly clean off, off the line like the biggest impact for wide receivers is if they'd be falling to the ground after catching a ball like you want them to like what naturally that that's going to hurt but but other than that you don't really have too many like push off on weight so i mean and it's an ac1 sprain so pretty much it's it's, it's like it's pain management then yeah yeah it can't hurt like a motherfucker though <laughs> so we'll we'll find out we'll definitely find out more yeah. once the practice nations come out but um okay uh offensive line holy crap Jalen Hurts gonna bake the cake. Literally, got an air fryer 
found a cake online, ordered it, got it delivered to the link, and cooked the cake in the pocket on every play. Right. I mean, he could have he could have had the cake done before the timer would even go off because of so many false starts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He did have to deal. Like, the, the offensive line played a great game while the ball was in play. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. um, like, when the pre-snap, they had a lot of pre-snap issues, like we talked earlier, that they got to figure out. But they were uh, – offensive line was awesome. Like, the pockets – I thought that was the best game Jordan Mailata has played all year. Yeah, I think you may think. I mean, he's pretty. He's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. I'd say mm-hmm. he did have. He, he gave up one sack, I think, last week against the Packers. But other than that, it's been. It's been a lot better than what it's what has been written about him. Um, wide receivers quickly, Devonta Smith. I messaged you. I tweeted it out, and I messaged you when I was rewatching the game. I think I again. I didn't watch a lot of the all twenty-two. But some of like the all 22 that I was watching the offense, he was running wide open. He could have had 20 catches in this game, in my opinion. If, yeah. if if they wanted to target him, he could have he could have broke the record for most catches in the game this year. He was running wide open all game. They, especially in the first quarter, I noticed they really tried to take AJ Brown out of the game. Like they they were bracketing that side of the, they were bracketing AJ Brown. Um, they wanted to take him out. Obviously, that didn't work. <laughs> AJ Brown still dominated, but uh. The wide receiver play has been off the charts. I think you had a tweet about just like how much production that they have gotten out of those two guys. And it's better than anyone could have asked for right now. Absolutely. They they are playing out of their minds. And they're just getting like, like you said, a lot of those plays where Devontae Smith gets open are plays where AJ Brown is making a play. Like the the, the second touchdown for AJ Brown, Devontae Smith is wide open 25 yards down the field. Like (laughs) win-win situation. I mean, you, 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 on, on not Devon- one than the other. On Devonta Smith's touchdown, they had like they had two guys like over top of AJ Brown. Like they didn't right. try to get the ball there. Devonta Smith burns the guy. It, that play's funny. Like he catches the ball at the one yard line, and the defense is like, "Fuck, he's gonna score." They they the defender almost just threw him in the end zone just to get the play out of the way. <laughs> they knew take your play. touchdown, get it over with. Yeah, literally, that's exactly what happened. Um, okay, anything else on the offense you want to touch on? Uh, anything else on the offense? I think the tight ends were getting involved a lot more in this game. That was, that was really good to see, and and hitting the middle of the field with more than just the the in breaking routes, like ha- hitting those seams that they've been that they have been missing out a, a, a couple of times, and and really just like I said, like Hurst was just so he was smart in this game, taking the checkdowns when when they were there, and they did yeah. play a lot of zone, and they had a, a bunch of times where. Calcaterra and Stoll were were just sitting underneath three hole defender in cover two, and then boom, easy six yards, and and checking it down for for a Kenneth Gainwell, letting him work for a couple first downs there. But I mean, that was that was really good to see because it, it's it's easy plays, and it, it just gives a lot of confidence for the quarterback. That's a great point because a lot of I guess tape grinder and a lot of criticism of Jalen Hurts' game is that he doesn't take the running back check down a lot. Um, you, you notice the running back receiving production has been down since he's been the quarterback compared to the old guy, Carson Wentz. Um, and, and just a, probably if you just look around the league, like how many times did Tom Brady hit Rashad White yesterday on Monday night? Like Jalen Hurts isn't really prone to hit the check down, and he did a great job of it in this game. Kenneth Gainwell helped him out a lot in the passing game. He made he had two huge first downs through the air. Yeah, he did. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell has been a really good situational running back this year. Yeah, I agree. He wasn't. 
maybe didn't live up to the preseason hype that we wanted him to have. I was all aboard Ken Gainwell getting the most touches out of all running backs, but I'm gladly I was wrong there because uh, Miles Sanders has been great. And he he didn't have a lot. Like I think he had like what, 10 carries for 26 yards, something like that. But, um, but they didn't need him. Like he wasn't, they didn't need him to uh, kind of have the production he did against the Packers. Exactly. I mean, he just wasn't a factor. And I mean, during the game, I just think about it, there's no reason to run this ball. Like, <laughs> yeah. was, they were so efficient throwing it. I mean, General Hurts was the best player in the field. And just continue having your best player ball out. And I thought they were going to like, I thought some of the game plan was going to be like, we'll take on this Titans run defense. Like, I, Nick Sirianni's kind of got that, like, that, that, that chip on his fuck shoulder. You, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck your run defense. Well, we're going to run on you. And they didn't. And I thought it was, it was brilliant. They, they put a lot of faith into Hertz this week and it, it paid off. Um, all right. Defensive side of the ball. Uh, I didn't watch any all 22 on the defense. So I don't have much from scheme, schematic point of view and whatnot there. Um, but I did rewatch the game on the defensive side of the ball. I thought a lot of guys contributed. And I think that was my kind of big takeaway. There was a lot of oh, different, sure. a yeah. lot of, like this was a group effort. This wasn't like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, in my opinion, stole the show. Like they, they were awesome in this game. Like they tore apart the, the, the Titans tackles. For I thought sure. Josh Sweat's best game of his career. He's really starting to come on. Josh has four sacks now in his last four games. Um, after I, by the way, talk about a stat that doesn't reflect play at all. I mean, he's been tearing it apart. Yeah. And four four stack four sacks is not. It's just not. Uh, I looked up his stats during the game, like to see what 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 he was up to after that uh, the second sack, and I I was blown away that it wasn't that it wasn't a higher number because of 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 like how impactful he is when he's rushing the pass. Right, he's six winning so often. Yeah, six and a half sacks now, four over the last four games. You've been kind of on the train. I was a little worried during that kind of like that Dallas Pittsburgh Houston stretch where he, in my opinion, he just wasn't there. Um, but you, you said he was continuing to, to dog it out and he's playing really well right now, but I'll throw the ball to you. What do you, uh, what was kind of maybe your biggest takeaway from the defensive side of the ball? I really just, the, the, the DB's uh, um, participation in, in stopping the run was at a level that we haven't seen before this year. And really that I can remember for like, Malcolm Jenkins probably the last the last guy uh, on the defense that played uh, that played the run as physical as really a lot of the guys did in this game. Marcus Epps came in and make, made made a couple of tackles there at the line. Uh, James Bradbury, Derry Slay combined for three tackles that were uh, where where Derrick Henry was bouncing it back to the outside gap and they made a they made a safe secure tackle. And neither of them gave up first downs. They, I think they gave up like four or five yards on each of the tackles that they made, each of the runs with it. But that's what you want. You don't want them to give up massive yards, but you want them to stop them. If it gets to the point where Henry has a cutback lane, you don't want them to get a first down. You just want to make a secure tackle so you don't have to start chasing Henry down the field. And they took him on one-on-one. No questions asked, no hesitation on the tackles. They, 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 sunk, they sunk deep, they went for the knees, and they wrapped up. And, and it was, I mean, it was perfect technique all around it from, from the DBs. And really, just on the short passing game, uh, Josiah Scott had a good tackle on um, on on Derrick Henry out in the flat. Uh, Reed Blankenship made two tackles against tight ends. That that one that was on 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 a third down and five, where he made a tackle for about two yards, and stopping a drive. Uh, made another one on on third and fifteen, stopping a drive. 
So really, all of like Nicobe Dean made a couple tackles as well in on like in the flats. Nicobe Dean, man, coming out um, of just coming out firing Nicobe Dean, man. You think you think he was ready to play? You think he was waiting? For oh, play? I mean, what? I think he's been waiting for his opportunity. You yeah. can just see it early on. I mean, the special teams tackle he made on kickoff was even before he got in in the game, mm-hmm. and he absolutely. He obliterated the returner on that play. I think from that point on, he was pretty fired up, and then he carried that momentum into to when he got snaps on defense. Um, and really, it was the perfect uh, the perfect situation for a lot of these backup guys because late in the game, they had two drives where it was it was all backups. Um, Josiah Scott moved out to outside cornerback. Juan Wallace came in and played the slot role, um, and uh, and uh, even Christian Nellis got some playing time in their linebacker as well. Um, he had a nice special team. Tackle. I mean, Sean Bradley, Christian Ellis, and Nicole Bedeen all made some some big time tackles. It just brought some it just brought some energy to the field. And like Sean Bradley after the game, uh, he tweeted out uh, physical and then a bunch of crying emojis. Like everybody talks about how physical the Titans are as a team, and the Eagles just absolutely blew the doors off. And 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 in all phases, like defensively, Derrick Henry didn't miss, didn't force a single tackle. Uh, uh, didn't force a single missed tackle in the entire game. Uh, uh, special teams balled out. They made big hits down the field, celebrated like like a bunch of maniacs whenever they did that. You, that energy just carries over to when the defense comes on the field. So just some stats on Derrick Henry and how bad he – not maybe how bad he was, but how bad, <laughs> how bad the rushing offense of the Titans was. The, the, the Eagles allowed the least amount of EPA per rush on, on defense – in the entire week 13. The Titans were the least efficient running offense in the NFL in week 13. So Weren't talk- they the, the number one DVOA run offense heading into the game? No, the Titans have not been efficient running the ball at all. Okay. They're actually 29th in EPA per rush leading into this game. It's funny because you think they would, but they run so much. Like they run, they run so many plays where eventually right. it just breaks off an 80-yard carry, right? That's kind of how the, that's how they want to play. They they want to get you in that dog fighting mode, and the Eagles just did not allow that. Um, so that, that that was great. Like you said, you, you brought up that good stat where Derek Henning didn't force a missed tackle all game. It's another another huge stat. Um, and just from uh just from like what I what when I saw when I rewatched, like again, contributions from everyone, like Dominic and Sue had a great pressure on Ryan Tandle that forced a Brandon Graham sack. Um, Fletcher Cox chased down Tannehill on a sack. Um, you brought up Marcus Epps. He was pretty. He was he was pretty good in this game. He was down the box. I thought Josiah Scott on the second rewatch. I thought he played a lot better than he did on the first rewatch. I, the, Josiah Scott wasn't at fault on that touchdown. Um, I thought he was when I watched it the first time. But he was he was expecting help over the top. Marcus Epps went far too down to the right side. He had to get back up. And so it was it was kind of on Marcus Epps and on that play. I don't think Epps played a good game, but I think the blame goes more to Epps than it does to Josiah Scott on that play. So again, like contributes from everyone. They they're rallying around. And I have kind of a big picture take I want to throw your way about the defense, how they're playing better this year. Remember last year, like the completion percentage was just out of control. Like Derek Carr, what Derek Carr went at 30 for 36 for 39. Justin Herbert was completing 80% of his passes. I you can don't, you can tell me I'm an idiot here. I, I just was thinking about this. They played a lot farther back last year, and they were too worried about giving up the deep play. And it was more just because it's a new defense, right? Jonathan Gannon's basically preaching, no big play, no big play, no big play, keep everything in front of you. Now that the defense is more comfortable, you got Darius Slay, Marcus Epps, 
Gigi Edwards, these linebackers that have been there before. Now they're more comfortable in this defense. They can trust their instincts more. They can trust not going too deep on plays, and they can attack the ball better. Just, I, I think this type of defense that Gannon is thrusting on this team takes a little longer to learn. It's not a straight-up man-to-man style defense that, you, that every player knows how to do. I just, I think the year, last year, getting kind of the year rep under Gannon's defense to this year, I think has just worked wonders. Of course, the talent's a lot better this year. Yeah, I was about to say, I think I think yeah. a lot of it goes to just having better players on the field and, yeah. and having players that understand coverage rules more. Um, definitely, there's there's uh, there's a f- uh, familiarity of the scheme and also familiarity of the players around you, and, and I mean what you're expecting in in a, in a certain situation. Um, that that absolutely goes into it. But I mean, the addition of James Bradbury into what has, what it has done to for the defense, and also just a competent linebacker alongside T.J. Edwards, goes a long way in 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 playing zone coverage because a lot of that goes into. I mean. You need to have you need to have your your pieces in sync, otherwise it's going to be a whole, holes all over the place when you're playing zone defense. Um, still, they, I mean, zone defense is just always more vulnerable uh, because you 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 often have um, an offensive scheme where somebody is reading if it's zone defense, and that is almost always a good check down for the quarterback if they know what they're doing. Um, and I, th- I we we I think we got accustomed a lot to to uh, with with um, with uh, Jim Schwartz scheme that they they just played off so much like you're talking about so the the quick the quick passes were just they were just constant and always um, and, and now we're more we're more switching into a defense where it's it's more it's more um, interchanging uh, look that they get pre snap. Um, and the like playing with where you're supposed to be, that's also goes into like, like the, the familiar familiarity with the scheme. If you know where you're supposed to be and, and you've seen a lot of offensive looks, you also know like how, how to push the boundaries of where you can be pre-snap to end up in the position where you can actually play your responsibility. So you're kind of, tra- you're, you're tricking the quarterback a little bit into, into thinking one thing, and then you're coming out something totally different. Um, and they're doing that a lot with their safeties. Reed Blankenship did a really good job off it this week. Like when he was playing flat coverage and they had only one receiver to to the side that he was actually covering, he didn't just shoot into the flat because why why would he? Like there's nobody threatening you over there. The cornerback to that side is playing man anyway when it's zone. Uh, so like he just stayed at depth and kind of baited the quarterback uh, into throwing either a crosser to that side or throwing it to the to the flat check down with the running back or tight end. And he just came up there, boom, made the play and and and, and it resulted in nothing. And that is zone defense, but it's it's it gives a man look from the cornerback perspective. And if the safety knows what to do, you can bait the quarterback into so many different things. That play that you put on Reed Blankenship, like attacking the attacking that tackle, that was awesome. He came out of a cannon. He's a fun player, man. He's a fun guy to root for too. Absolutely, and it's 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 fun because he he's just so relentlessly physical, and you can just tell that like he loves to hit. Like he's a football player with a massive F. Uh, and that it that's always fun to watch, especially when they have the the, the athleticism to to supplement their their wish for hitting. <laughs> Undrafted guy too, right? Like that, that's fun. Um, yeah, he went to Middle Tennessee. I uh, I 
I feel like there's some sort of Middle Tennessee connection with the Eagles coaching staff. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, no idea. I just had the ball with Middle Tennessee. So good. Another like just another good find. You know. Like another... What is the what is the coolest nickname you've seen for Rit Reed Blankenship so far? Because there's been so many nicknames. I, so I haven't even seen any. What what are people calling him? Uh, I've seen Ghost. Okay. Uh, because he's a white safety. Uh, I've seen uh, the Caucasian Cannon. Yeah, okay, I have seen the Caucasian Cannon. I saw that on my Twitter timeline on Sunday. I've seen uh, Sunk My Blankenship. <laughs> That's too long. <laughs> yeah, I, so I don't like Ghost. Ghost is okay. I, I, I would rock Ghost. Ghost is fine, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I just thought the Caucasian Cannon was so <laughs> good, but that was in relation to the play that I, that I put up where he like tracked down the tackle. That's, yeah, That's funny. funny. It's uh no, it's cool. Like you, you, next man up mentality, right? Like this is the twenty exactly. team. Like you had the next guy up constantly. Darren Sproles all go goes out. Go, next guy up. Chase Pierce goes out. Next guy up. Like you had um that whole season was like that. You need that to win a Super Bowl. And the next man up mentality earlier this year was let's go sign guys on the free agent market. There's not just there's not guys sitting there waiting all the time, right? You need to uh at some point you're gonna have guys on your team contribute, and it's it's really cool to kind of see a Reed Blankenship kind of take his own. Um, I don't think I have anything else on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the D line was awesome. Like they, they were they were dominating the entire game. That was one of the best performances that they've had all week. Hassan Reddick continues to be an, an unbelievable signing as well. Like just hats off to Hi Roseman for bringing him in. Josh Sweat and him have just you can see this pairing like working for the next two three years. Like you, you just know they're they're gonna get production. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. They're. And they, they just win in so many different ways. And they have the athleticism that when, when they're stunting on the D-line, they're starting to do that more. And, and, and it's good to see because they, they have the explosiveness to, to really get in there and disrupt the, the, in, the interior of the, of the offensive line. They can get in there fast so that the guards don't, don't really have too much time to, to get their hands on them. And it's been creating a bunch of sacks here in the last few weeks. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the Eagles schedule coming up. So we are – we've got five games left. Um, we are in the dog days of the NFL season. Have you taken a look at kind of how the Eagles' schedule lines up? No, but I know they have the Bears. I know they have Giants times two and Cowboys. So yeah, there's so, one more game in there. Yeah, the, the, oh, yeah, the, the Saints. Saints, baby. Draft pick time. Yeah, um, it was about the, the most important uh, game for the rest of the season. How big was Tom Brady for the Eagles, man? Like, that play, like, if you think about, like, nowhere. the big picture thing, like, if, Tom, if the Saints win that game, they had a 47% chance of making the playoffs. That loss gives them a negative, like, not negative, but lower than 1% chance. Like, that was the biggest – we talked about this in my podcast yesterday. That was the biggest loss almost in Saints, like, not franchise history, of course, but in the last, like, three years – that was a like a massive loss for this franchise. Like yeah, that was like a season changing, like like caught like like organizational changing loss for the Saints. So that was huge for the to get that draft pick. Eagles have the fifth overall pick right now. So back to schedule. One o'clock against the Detroit against the New York Giants. Sorry on Sunday. Then Sunday against the Bears. I actually thought that Bears Eagles game was gonna get flexed to Sunday night. Um, they ended up flexing Commanders versus Giants. So thank God I, I, I'm fine with playing at one o'clock. I'm not a big. I'm not a big prime. I know you're not a big prime time guy. No, absolutely not. That. Um, Dallas Cowboys, and then then the Christmas Eve baby, Cowboys Eagles, and then they they the battle host, for the number one seed. Yeah. Then they host the Saints um, on January first, and then they host the Giants. So what? Why I want to talk about this kind of stretch is the Eagles head on the road. Like this is a three game road trip for the Eagles, kind of late in the season. So I thought that was a 
thought that was kind of worth worth mentioning. They've been really good at home this year. Um, I know they did lose to the Commanders. They've been good. They've only they haven't lost on the road either. The only loss came at home. But I think the link just, especially this time of year when your team's playing well, it's tougher to go on the road. You want that kind of that crowd noise and the, the crowd behind you. So um, this this is an important stretch for the Eagles. Yeah, it absolutely is. And also with the Cowboys playing the way they are, I mean. You really want that one seed, right? So you can have the like the road to the Super Bowl and the NFC go through the link. I mean, that would give them a massive boost. Well, one seed is so needed. Like they they gotta yeah. get it. Yeah, exactly. And and I think we're gonna come down to a situation where they're gonna have to beat uh, the Cowboys on Christmas. I think that's gonna be one hell of a game. So I was thinking about this. The Cowboys are nine and three. Eagles are eleven and one. Um, Eagles have. I I'm wondering if the Cowboys beat the Eagles. I don't know how the tiebreaker would work. But I think they can get in the one seed with a three and two record. Four and one, it's over. I think if you go fifteen and two, well, fifteen and two, no matter what, you're you're winning the you're you're winning. Yeah, right? three losses. So I I'm like I have a hard time believing the Cowboys are going to win their next five games. If again, the Cowboys are playing unreal. They're in my opinion, they're the biggest competition to the Eagles in the NFC right now. So and their schedule is a cakewalk. Yeah, they've got the, they've got the Texans coming up, right? Texans, Jaguars, just like. They've got Texans, Jaguars, and then Eagles, and then Titans, Commanders. So if they lose one of those games, then the Eagles can go three and two down the stretch and kind of cruise to the one seed. And I, I again, I think you want to be kind of resting your guys week 18. You don't want to be playing your guys against the Commanders week 18. My favorite, so. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Uh, is Jalen Hurts the MVP of the league? I mean, you can. You, I think you can. You can make a case for him being the MVP of the league. I also think like they should make a most improved. He would be fitting well into that category as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he come back. Comeback player is not really like. Nah, be, it's not really a talent yeah. thing or like yeah. improvement thing. Is it's like the comeback player of the year is always the guy who's been on IR who comes back and have a good season. That's the. It's the same thing every year. Okay, let's but play. Yeah. Let's, yep. let's play a game. Um, the game is called I Am Going to Give You the Candacy Resume for Jalen Hurts' MVP. I don't really have a name Hit for me. this. Okay. I was about to say it's a long name. <laughs> so, usually the MVP is the quarterback on one of the better offenses in the NFL. Maybe, if not top three offense. Checks that box. Eagles offense, second in EPA per play, second in points per drive, third in yards per drive, third in DVOA. They are analytically a top three offense, no matter how you look at it. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of that offense. Check. Jalen Hurts as a player this year. Jalen Hurts is second in completion percentage, third in passer rating, third in EPA per play plus completion percentage above expectations. So basically, he's been extremely efficient. Fourth in QBR. As of right now, Jalen Hurts has 2,940 passing yards, 20 passing TDs, three interceptions, 609 rushing yards, nine touchdowns. On total, through the through the year, add those together. 3,549 yards, 29 touchdowns, three picks, two fumbles. 29 touchdowns and five turnovers, pretty darn good. Jalen Hurts is on pace for 4,225 passing yards, 848 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 29 passing touchdowns. In total, Jalen Hurts is on pace for 5,073 total yards, 42 touchdowns, five interceptions, three fumbles. He is on pace. For 5,073 yards, 42 touchdowns, and eight turnovers. Eagles are 11-1, destined to finish with either a 14-3, 15-2 record, 
and the number one seed. Mike drop Jalen Hurts as the MVP so far. Yeah. I think you made that case. Sounds pretty good. It's settled, Brandon. I I think that's a like if he's not the MVP right now, like of course a lot can change. And I had Patrick Mahomes as my MVP um two weeks ago. Like this flipped on a dime for me. I, I thought Mahomes was the MVP before the Packers game. And then when Jalen Hurts that performance on Sunday night, I went to bed thinking, okay, like that was pretty remarkable what Jalen Hurts just did. If we get some more, like he can get back in the race. Chiefs just lost to the Bengals. I know it wasn't really Mahomes' fault. Mahomes played fine, but that's three losses now. And Jalen Hurts is 11 and 1. And I think their stats probably line up pretty similarly. Like I'm pretty sure you can make the same case that I just made for Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I just think that rushing aspect, the way it can do with multiple different ways, yeah. not turning the ball over too. Like, like I said, he's on pace for eight total turnovers all year. Like, exactly. Is, he's a super smart player. Good. Yeah. And and I think right now we're also we're riding on the highs of last week's game against the Packers, where he set franchise uh, franchise rushing records for quarterbacks, and and then this week where he tears it apart as a passer, like just goes to show that he can he can win um, as the primary uh, as the primary factor for the team in in multiple ways, and that is like that's just special. I mean, you don't have Patrick Mahomes rushing you for 150 yards a game. Um, and, and he may like, he doesn't need to do that. He makes plenty of spectacular plays in, in other aspects, but just the way that, that Jalen Hurts has taken this team and, and they're winning on a consistent basis because of him. And it's proven, like, it's not that they're close to winning because of him or they're competing in every game because they're like, they're winning every game, uh, because of him. And it takes, uh, it took a, 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 an abysmal overall team performance to lose that game to Washington. And other than that, it's just been, it's been f- like not flawless, but, but I mean, damn near close for, for a, a player playing football. If you look back at some of the wins too, like let's think, remember the first week one against the lions, Jalen hurts is in the quarterback of that game. They lose that game. Jalen yeah. Hurts' running ability in that game, changed that game. Um, you can look Colts. at Colts game. Colts is another perfect example. They, per- they absolutely lose that game if not. Yeah, exactly. Those are just two from his legs there. Like, and then his passing ability on top of that. Like, like you said, a lot of people can think pinpoint to how good the, the supporting cast is around Jalen Hurts. But they don't win the Packers game either. They don't win that yep. shootout if they don't like. The special teams and defense tried to lose that game. I wouldn't say defense more. Special teams did their their best job to kind of lose that game. Uh, so, right, yeah. The Jacksonville game in pouring rain, like he's taking the 10-yard QB scramble up and trucking a linebacker in for a touchdown, kind of like getting the whole thing fired up. Uh, like how many times do you see a team go down 14 nothing, and it just like it never really becomes anything better for the rest of the game there? Yeah, I agree. Okay, um, before we get out of here, we're not going to be podcasting before the New York Giants game, so we thought we'd touch on it um, right now. We'll, we'll just kind of do generic thoughts. We don't have to go offense, defense here. Um what are you thinking heading to this game? How are you feeling? Um, give me give me your thoughts. I hate Giants games, and I always hate divisional games. But the Eagles, they, they seem to have Giants number. I mean, they're pretty good record against them. What are we, like 14-2? The number lately, yeah. Um, they they had that one the Jalen Rager game last year. Everyone remembers when Rager dropped those fucking two passes. Oh, yeah. Um, then they end up beating them pretty well. Not handily. I think it was like 27-17 later on in the year. But... And usually it's very close when they're playing the Giants. Yeah. It, it's it's rarely just like blowing them out the out the out the field, but 
are they on the road this week or is it at home? It is on road. They got three in a row on the road. Oh, they got three on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the last game is against the Giants at home. Yeah. I think I think it's always like every every logical um factor here would say that that it's gonna be uh, uh, the Eagles are gonna win it handily. Uh but it's like I like Giants games are just different. Mm-hmm. Like, I get always close. Point. I, I I hate playing the New York Giants. Something yeah. else funky happens. I don't know. Um okay, so one of my thoughts heading into this game is I was taking a look at Daniel Jones's rushing numbers and just like how he's kind of contributed on that side of uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, when the Giants win, Daniel Jones is very active on the ground. Um, that 23-17 win over the Jaguars, he had 178 rushing yards. 2012 win over the Bears, he had 68 rushing yards. Um, he had 71 last week in the in the I tie. Think that's a good point. Yeah. So and I and I think something Eagles haven't really met at this point. It's a really good like it's a good read option offense. And think about last week against the Titans. The only time the Titans did anything on offense was Ryan Tannehill running. Right, like he, Ryan Tannehill picked up like I think those two first downs. One was on fourth down on that drive where they scored a touchdown. So I want to throw something your way. We saw our boy Nicole Dean ball out. I don't. I wouldn't mind throwing Nicole Dean or have a spy on Daniel Jones through this game. No, and and maybe maybe more so. I don't know if it's going to be Nicole Dean, but I mean I think Nicole has has some proven that that they should seriously consider rotating him and Kaiser. Um. But I think I think there's there's absolutely an idea of having more so of a spy in the in the in the box for for Daniel Jones because I think they're going to run more like misdirection, jet sweeps, uh, like shovel passes, re, uh, read options where where Jones has a, has a chance to keep the ball and and with, with Saquon Barkley because I think they're going to be focused. They should be focused on Saquon Barkley, but. But you're right. Uh, Daniel Jones as a runner is, is a, a sneaky element of the of the Giants' offense, and I think Dable is gonna is gonna do a pretty good job here scheming up an offense that will be effective against the Eagles. Yeah, and the Giants have actually been a pretty good running team, like just in general, not as much lately. Um, like that's how they kind of got off that hot start, right? Saquon Barkley was doing really well um, running the football. Right now, the Giants are 12th in EPA per rush, so it is a little down. Um, but they were like a top five throughout the uh, throughout most of the year. The Giants also haven't been playing very well lately. Um, they are one, three, and one in their last five games, so they're kind of uh, fallen here. So I think the Eagles are picking them at a good or, fine, or hitting them. Sorry, at a good time. Um, I don't really have much else on the Giants. Like Derry, they've got a really lame set of like wide receivers. Uh, Kenny Galladay missed last week because of the flu. Uh, he was not even a factor, anyways. Richie James has like become one of their most top targets, and you're almost they have a bunch of tight ends that that you don't really yeah. know any of. And they, like Bellinger, isn't that a guy from the Titans? Or is yeah, that the yeah, he's back now. So he was he was uh, he played last week. He was actually hurt. He had an eye injury, I think, for most of the year. All right, okay. He's back. Um, they have a bunch of guys. Like you, you just know this is going to be one of those games where there's, where they're calling out a bunch of guys that you have no idea whose name is, and they're like they're making plays out of nowhere. Um, the Giants as well. I was taking a look at this earlier. I'm just trying to find the right number. They have allowed the 28th, or so they've allowed the fourth most sacks out of any team in the NFL. So this is a game where the defensive line could uh, could could dominate. Even though the Giants' offensive line has some players like um, Andrew Thomas has turned into a star left tackle, but um, I think this is a game. This is they they should just copy the Titans' recipe there and just insert into this Giants game. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Is there anything else you want to touch on? Should we give predictions? I don't know. We we, we were pretty. We should just predict losses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twenty-seven, twenty-four Giants. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. The Eagles absolutely destroyed the Titans when I predicted they would lose last week. So. Oh, and also, actually, an important factor for this game is that I'll be watching it in Austria because I'm going snowboarding on Friday. <laughs> In cool. Austria, and so all my rituals and and the the chair I'm usually in and the blanket that but the Eagles blanket have my dog on. All the, these rituals are gone, so this game can go. Bring the chair with you, man. Come on, we need you. You got to bring that chair and blanket with it's you. A pretty big chair. Are you are you going to be snowboarding during the game? There's no way you're missing the game. No, 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 no. I won't be. Yeah. I mean, you, are you kidding me? I'll be like what, like 8 p.m., 7 p.m. by that time, right? When the kick. It's the same time as it is in Denmark. So yeah, 7 p.m. There'll be snowballing throughout the day, and I'll be drinking beer and watching Eagles in the night. Yeah, baby. That's what we're talking about here. I wanted to ask this is a random off-topic question. How did you learn English so well? Uh, it's, it's, pretty well common, it's pretty common it? in Denmark to, to – like, we have it throughout school. And really, when you're watching a lot of – well, a lot of football, I mean, you're, you're always – you're constantly exposed to, like, terminology, and then you're just basically, like, adding on top of that and – yeah, I don't know. It's always just came kind of natural. I think also like when we've been on vacations, like even when I was a like teeny tiny boy, I've been I've just been talking to people like super random strangers. It must have been weird for my parents that I would just like be talking to like random strangers in like Bulgaria. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I think I, it's always just been yeah. Because I had a friend uh, ask me because I've had a couple people reach out how good the shows have been. But, oh, um, cool! The shows and congratulations, Brent. Who is uh, like who's like who's Thomas? And I was talking like you're from Denmark, and they're like, how the hell is he from Denmark? He's so well spoken. He speaks clear English. Like if I didn't tell people that you're from Denmark, people would think like you're literally in Canada or America, or just from your like you don't have like a thick accent. Um, I've been told I don't really have an accent. No, like, there, there's no like it doesn't belong anywhere. <laughs> That's cool. Um, anyways, have fun in Austria. Don't fall and break a bone. We can't have that. We can't have you on the IR where you're needed. There's only four, five games left. So if you go on the IR, you'll be ready right. to play playoff time. So. Right. I was actually wondering this week that when I, when I was going mountain biking and checking out, using some new pedals that I've gotten, like, what is more dangerous, snowboarding or, or mountain biking? And I, I, I thought it's it's definitely snowboarding. Yeah. Well, going down a hill on a bike, like a mountain bike, if you're flying down a hill, I guess the same thing. You're, you're going you're kind of strapped to a board in, in like super sketchy ice. And yeah, like, oh, hell no. I, I, I'm, that's why I won't go skiing or snowboarding. I'm too scared. <laughs> well, isn't there pretty good conditions for that in Canada though? Oh yeah. We have, we've got awesome hills. Like I live in, like, I have a ton of friends who ski snowboard. I live in a great place for it, but like I'm 200, I'm like two two eighty, like right now. I, I can't go down a fucking hill. I'll die. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like I'll break a shell break. I'll get, I'll tear his shoulder like you did. I'll be on the IR for the rest of the year. Especially at my age, now I'm 27 years old. I, I should have done this earlier, you know. If I learned <laughs> earlier, I would have been trained for it. What are you talking like you're an old man? <laughs> yeah, I am an old man, man. I'm, nah, I'm up tired. Too early day. for that. Yeah. Anyways, thanks so much for doing this, man. Of course, appreciate you. Have fun in Austria. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Please do check out our sponsors, True Classic and BetterHelp. True Classic has a great sale going on throughout the holidays. Great, great quality T-shirts if you want to get some. Highly, highly, um, highly recommend you do so. If you're going through some things, check out BetterHelp as well. Definitely a place to go to help you out in your day-to-day life. Again, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you later.